This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we begin with a show that goes back to 1952. So what was happening that year? Well, in North America, three out of five families owned a car. Two out of three families now had a telephone. One in three homes had a television. The average woman would be married by 20 years of age, looking forward to raising a family, but few continued with a career after the kids were born. Fast food restaurants were growing in popularity, but the scourge of polio hit many thousands of families. Many more cars in America now fitted with automatic gearboxes, and gas cost about 25 cents a gallon. The world's first passenger jet, the Comet, is produced in the U.K., signaling the start of faster and cheaper air travel. It was also the year the popular Mr. Potato Head toy is first sold. Remember this? The toy consisted of a little plastic goofy face and body pieces meant to be placed on real vegetables. George Lerner, the creator of the toy, thought his invention would help make vegetables more appetizing and fun for kids. And just prior to the release of Mr. Potato Head, it became the first toy to be advertised on television at the end of the previous month. It was a success, and over one million sold within the first year. 1952, also the year that the iconic musical Singing in the Rain premiered at Radio City Music Hall in New York City on March 27th. The film starred Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor. It was written by Betty Comden and Adolph Green and directed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Dunan. The MGM-produced film went on to be nominated for the Best and uh, the best, best Music and Best Actress at the Academy Awards and was only a moderate box office success, surprisingly. The plot focused on Hollywood's transition from the silent era to talkies during the 1920s as well as a classic love story. Since its relief, however, it's been consistently ranked as one of the greatest American films ever made and was selected for preservation by the Library of Congress in 1989. And on the radio, 1952, let's see, audiences were mesmerized by the sound of hoofbeats and the stories of the Old West as portrayed in the program Gunsmoke. Here's the episode entitled Renegade White. one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Wild Hog at you. Wild Hog, you there? 
for you. Put that spear down. And listen, Wild Hog and me are friends, big friends. You'll make much noise. You're Cheyenne, ain't you? You must be with Wild Hog. What name, you white man? I'm Ward Spicer. Ward Spicer, you hear? You bother me and you'll be in big trouble with Wild Hog. No trouble. Tell these other redskins to put their spears down. I need more room. Come, white man. Are you with Wild Hog or ain't you? Much talk, come. All right. Any tricks, I'll shoot you first. tonight. Come. Spicer, all right. Yes. These braves of yours sure keep you covered. Can't tell one from another, except you, of course. Hayden thought maybe I'd run into the wrong Indians. No moon tonight. Oh, I recognized them as Cheyennes, all right, but you never know with... With... With what, Spicer? Nothing, Wild Hog. Forget it. You never know with Indians. Now, Wild Hog, you and me are friends. Don't get so touchy. I didn't mean nothing. We are not friends. I pay you. That is all. Sure, we're friends. You're about the most educated Indian I ever met, that's why. I learn only English from the white men. Nothing else. Well, you sure had a good teacher, fellow. General Custer. Many bitter moons ago. I was a scout. Don't matter. I never heard of him. He was killed. Well, that's nothing to do with me. You got the money, Wild Hog? Yes. Here. Five hundred dollars. Five hundred? Our deal was for a thousand. You will get the rest later. But I'm running a big risk for you, Cheyennes. This is mighty dangerous work, Wild Hog. It will be even more dangerous if we do not meet again, Spicer. Oh, Wild Hog, you can trust me. I'll be back, you know that. Yes. When? Ooh, two, three days. Where'll I find you? Make camp near here. We'll find you. Okay. I'll get on into Dodge now. Goodbye, Wild Hog. Don't get drunk, Spicer. <laughs> Never touch it. <laughs> Hey, bartender, set out another bottle of whiskey for me and my friend. Uh, what'd you say you're called, stranger? Ward Spicer, friend. Mm-hmm. Here, let me fill your glass. Some time you got here, Dodge. You sure easy with your money, Spicer. Nothing's too good for my friend. Say, what name you go by, anyway? You got a lot of money, Spicer. Sure, I got money. I'll have more soon. Must have hit it rich, huh? <laughs> sure, I hit it rich. Easy money, friend. Easy money. How'd you do it, Spicer, anyway? Friend, I live like a gambler. My life's chicken one day and feathers the next. Right now, it's all chicken. Yeah, but how'd you do it? You made out real good, Spicer. Brains and guts, friend. Brains and guts. That's all it takes. 
No, but, but how? You don't get money like that robbing old Indians. What's that? Huh? What'd you say about Indians? Well, it's just a way of saying it back home. Don't get on the pride about it. Maybe you talk too much. Maybe you ask too many questions. Hey, what's the matter with you anyway? Maybe you know too much. Look, Spicer, you're hiding something. Don't trouble yourself. I ain't interested in you or your money or your liquor. I don't like that. You don't have to. You bet I don't. Keep your eyes right on mine, Spicer. I want to watch you die. Chester and I took the new greeners and rode out for a prairie chicken. We 
had a sack full within an hour, and we headed back to town, arguing on the way as to whether we'd bake the birds whole or just cut the breasts off and broil them. We still hadn't settled the matter when we reached Dodge, and we never did. The stage from Hayes City had arrived half hour before, bringing with it the bodies of two men found alongside the road. They were just laying there, Marshal, about five miles back. Both shot dead, but I thought I'd better bring them in anyway. Did you recognize them, Pete? No, Marshal, I didn't. The doc says there are a couple of riders from the T-Bar outfit. Yeah. He got them up in his office now. You bring in their horses? No sign of a horse. But there was an awful lot of tracks around. All right. I'll go see if Doc's found anything. Uh, hang around, Pete, will you? I may want some more information from you. Okay, if I do my waiting at the Alifraganza, Marshal? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I'll put our horses up, Mr. Dillon. Now, yours, Chester. I may want mine. Yes, sir. Oh, hello, Marshal. Just finishing up here. Be right with you. How'd they die, Doc? Well, they got half shot and then shot dead, Marshal. Yeah, I know, I know, but... uh... Is there any way of telling if maybe they killed each other? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Now that does it. No, there is, Marshal, but I'd be mighty surprised if they did. Now, what do you mean, Doc? Well, they were cowboys, Marshal. Cowboys just don't generally carry buffalo guns. Here, take a look. What? I dug some of these out of each of them. Those are slugs from a sharps rifle, Marshal. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That one's the best I found, right there. Yeah. What caliber did you say this is, though? Mm-hmm. I'd guess 44. Uh, 44 sharps. Mm-hmm. Not many 44s in use around here since the big 50 came out. I know a man with six of them, Doc. Hmm? Hmm. What do you think of that? I'll let you know when I get back. Come on, Doc. <laughs> Turn for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, behind the famous creaking door to Inner Sanctum tomorrow evening, there lies one of the most hair-raising tales to date. Meet Raymond, your host on Inner Sanctum, tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. stage driver rode with me back to where he found the bodies, and from there I rode on alone. It was an easy trail at first. There must have been more than a dozen horses running together. Long toward dusk, however, they suddenly split up, and I was faced with two different trails to follow. I made a gambler's choice and rode harder than ever. There was only an hour of light left to track by when my horse stepped into a prairie dog hole and snapped his leg and went over hard. My head glanced off a rock. There was a shower of light. Nothing. That's him, all right. That's Dylan. He's a marshal at Dodge. But you can't let him live. He'd kill us, all right. I'm going to kill him anyway. You'd die for it if you do. Okay. You're the boss. But you'll wish I'd shot him. He's coming to now. We take care of him our own way. White Cloud, mm-hmm. pick up his gun. Yeah, he isn't hurt. Just knocked out, that's all. Indians. Cheyennes. I'm no Indian, Marshal. Spicer. Yeah. Sure. No tricks now, Marshal. These redskins will shoot you to pieces. Yeah. Are those new Sharps 44s you bought them, huh, Spicer? 
It's no business of yours, Marshal. Not now. You're through. You're all the way through. Spicer, you're under arrest. What? I said you're under arrest. <laughs> now, Marshal, what are you arresting me for? Not that it matters much. For selling guns to Indians and on suspicion of murder. All right, so I'm under arrest, but, Marshal, I want to ask you something. Yeah. How are you going to take me in, that's all? Just how are you going to manage it? I'll worry about that. You sure will. Come on, Wild Hog. Let's shoot him and get it over with. This is a man of much heart. I admire his courage. To stand with death on all sides and arrest a man. No, we will not kill him. Not yet. But you can't take him with us. White Cloud, give him a horse. gave me a horse, all right, with the T-Bar brand on it. But I was surrounded by six armed Indians and a no-good white who'd shoot me any time he thought he could get by with it. Wild Hog rode up ahead, leading the party northwest, apparently to rendezvous with a bunch that had split off from this one. Spicer stayed right alongside of me. Well, am I still under arrest, Marshal? You're still guilty, aren't you? Sure. I'll admit it. Don't matter, being as how you'll never see Dodge again or any other place. What are you doing with these Cheyennes here anyway, Spicer? I got a deal with Wild Hog, Marshal. Real good deal. Killing white men, part of it? They don't need any help there, Marshal. They like to kill white men. Maybe they'll kill you before they're through. No, I'm too valuable to them. They like me. No? Now, why would they like you? Well, they didn't at first, but I talked him into it. Talked Wild Hog into it. He's a smart fellow, that Indian. Saw right away what I could do for him. Like buying those rifles. What else did you do for him? Well, I stopped those two riders with the horses. Told them I was sick. Got them off guard. Those Cheyennes were on before they could move. It was real easy. You're kind of like a Judas sheep in a slaughter pen, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it, Marshal. Pays better, though. I got $500 coming since we find a ranch or two to raid. I see. Pretty good deal, huh? You know, I think a lot more of these Indians than I do of you, Spicer. I don't like that, Marshal. At least they got an argument on their side. But you're just a renegade white. I'll kill you for that, Marshal. Now, shut up. All right, you've asked for it. Shoot me and Wild Hog will split you wide open, Spicer. Besides, he spotted the rest of his party up there. Hmm? Oh, yeah. All right for now, Marshal. But I'll see you dead. I promise I'll see you dead. <laughs> was still alive two days later when I crossed the Smoky Hill River about a hundred miles northwest of Dodge. There were 15 Cheyennes in the party. And day and night, two of them, by turns, never took their eyes off of me. They seemed anxious for an excuse to cut my throat. I had to watch every movement I made. Looked pretty hopeless. Wild Hog was smart and he took no chances. But often he and I rode along together, though always flanked by my two warrior guards. Country is greener already. Better every mile. Why have you been raiding so far south, Wild Hog, if you like this land better? We are northern Cheyenne, Marshal, the Bighorn Mountains. The army took us south to a reservation in the Oklahoma Territory. Ah, so that's it. You jumped your reservation, huh? Why should we live in a hot, flat land that has no game? But the army will be after you again. You've broken the law. Whose law? Ours or yours? All right, Wild Hog. But the Indian has a law against murder. You've broken that twice that I know of. Cheyenne does not speak of it as murder to kill his enemy. 
Those cowboys weren't your enemy, Wild Hog. They weren't fighting you. The army drove us from our home in the mountains. The army took our horses from us. We are going back home now on other horses, that's all. That doesn't explain your killing. Those men were peaceful. Marshal, if I could, I would kill every white man in the country. But I cannot. The Indian nations cannot. Red man has always fled before the white man. Those cowboys weren't chasing you. We needed their horses. They didn't even have a chance to fight. You tricked them. Is it only the white man who was allowed to trick his enemy? I was young once, Marshal, but I have seen too much trickery and lies and destruction and broken promises. I'll admit that's happened, Wild Hog. But you know, not every man is a liar and a killer. No. There are white men like you. And there are white men like Spicer. Spicer. Tell me something. Would you consider Ord Spicer guilty of murder? The Indian is Spicer's enemy, not his own people. Therefore, it is murder. Then you understand why it's Spicer I came after, not you. Why not me, Marshal? You're the Army's problem, not mine. I expect to fight the Army many times before we reach the mountains. Yeah. What, uh... What are your plans for me, Wild Hog? I have been thinking. Yeah? I do not know yet. What about Spicer? Spicer works for me. Why should I think about him? Then you're not as smart as I figured. All right, Marshal. I do not trust Spicer. He is a traitor to his own people and only for money. I have rifles now and enough horses. I do not need Spicer. You're going to kill him? Why not? He is only another white man. You said yourself you can't kill all the white men. If you were free, Marshal, you would take him back and let other white men kill him. What difference how he dies? Makes a difference to me, Wild Hog. I'm a lawman. I may have to kill you, too. <laughs> You're a hard man to be friends with. I will explain to you, Marshal. It matters little about any Indian. A few more winters and not many of my people will be alive. I do not complain of our fate. Tribe follows tribe, nation follows nation. It is the law of nature. A white man's turn to be defeated and to disappear will come. It is just a matter of time. And so we may be brothers after all, Marshal. I'm not sure I believe all of that, Wild Hog. Of course not. Still, I recognize you as a warrior among your people, as I am a warrior among mine. Too bad we're not on the same side. As long as we are brave and willing to die, it does not matter. I ride ahead now. You stay with the others. That night we reached the North Fork of the Solomon River and camped with the shadow of low hills not many miles ahead. Wild Hog ordered my guards to keep me some distance from the rest of the party. So I pulled up some buffalo grass and bedded down on it early. I watched the stars until sleep came. Next thing I heard was the sound of horses fading off in the distance. The two braves guarding me had disappeared, so I got up and Walked carefully back to where the Cheyennes were camped. 
There a couple of horses stood tied to a bush, but they were alone. The Indians had left. I stopped for a moment to listen. And then suddenly I saw the figure of a man lying in the moonlight about 20 feet off. Spicer. Spicer. Yeah, there's no blood on you. You're all right. Come on a minute, man. Come on. Yeah. Here. You've been knocked out, that's all. Now, come on, sit up. Oh. Aren't you, Marshal? What, what happened? Where are they? Where's Wild Hog? They've gone. Gone? Gone where? Yeah, I mean... Where'd they go? They've been headed for the Bighorn Mountains. Best chance of running into the army if they travel at night. But they couldn't leave me. Not here. Not now. Looks like they did. Some brave club gym, they rode off, that's all. But I gotta go with them. You're still groggy, Spicer. And you're still under arrest. Remember? You can't take me in, Marshal. Wild Hog will be back. He won't let you. Why do you think he left you here, Spicer? We're, we're friends. Big friends, me and Wild Hog. You got no friends. You don't belong in anybody's camp. I'm taking you back to Dodge anyway. That murdering Redsky's a better man than you, Spicer. He's brave and he's willing to die. Now, come on, we got a long ride back. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Harry Bartell, Larry Dobkin, Herb Vigran, and Jack Crucian. Harley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNear is Dark. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for the Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the Red Skelton Show and a program that was first aired in 1946. Cigarette program starring Red Skelton with David Forrester and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Gigi Pearson, Verna Felton, Pat McGee, and Wonderful Smith, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. It's a pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of the Raleigh Cigarette program, Red Skelton. Gentlemen, 903, Rod. Uh, 903, Red. I know what 903 means. Yeah, what is it? It was the number of the rows up on those seats you gave me for the football game last Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> really up high, huh? Say, wasn't that a USC, UCLA game something, huh? <laughs> they had a referee for a, a duck they used. <laughs> Where were you sitting? <laughs> well, you see, I'm excited. Bob Hope mentioned my name tonight. He didn't throw me. Huh? I say, where were you sitting? I was up in the broadcasting booth. Uh, one fellow from the Chamber of Commerce was there, and he told the announcer <laughs> that if, uh, if he didn't get on the air and say what a beautiful, sunshiny day it was, he'd stab him with his umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> well, Californians sure are loyal to the weather out here. Yeah, you're not kidding. The, uh, one uh, native Californian uh, sat there, and he saw the football, that wet ball keeps sliding out of the guy's hands. Huh? <laughs> so he turns to a tourist, and he says, well, sir, it looks like they didn't get all the fat out of that football, no. <laughs> Well, what was the broadcast like, Red? Well, if they, if they broadcasted the way it really uh, should have been broadcast, it would probably sound something like this. 
Well, sir, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, in the Coliseum in beautiful, sunny California. Yes, sir, lovely, sunshiny day. Only one cloud in the sky. Starts in San Francisco and follows through to San Diego. <laughs> this is really the land of sunshine. In fact, there's so much sunshine today, they're spreading sawdust around the field to soak it up. <laughs> Well, it looks like the game's going to start. Both teams have just rolled out to the field. Road, rather. <laughs> <laughs> the referee's placing the ball. He seems to be having a little trouble with his life raft there. <laughs> and there's the kickoff. Number 35 has it. He's moving back real fast using the Australian crawl. <laughs> He's down on the uh, 45-yard line. Boy, what a splash. What a splash. <laughs> Six players were knocked down by the wave. <laughs> Uh-oh, it looks like a penalty there for un- an unnecessary ducking. <laughs> One boy went under, under over there. There's Johnny Weissmiller just dived off of the scoreboard, and he's swimming out to administer uh, first aid. <laughs> we now stand by for station identification. This broadcast was brought to you by the new Raleigh cigarette, the only cigarette that you can smoke underwater while writing letters. <laughs> Sings, Why Was I Born? Why was I born? Why am I living? What do I get? What am I giving? Do I want a thing I daren't hope for? What can I hope for? I wish I knew. Tonight, and she'll want to wear it. <laughs> but, 
Where did I put my suit? Oh, yeah, under the rug. <laughs> Gee, what a nice pressing job. A little baggy where the board for the floor are missing there. <laughs> Out for a clean shirt. Oh, gee, they're not back from Hialeah yet. <laughs> I'll just wear one of my tuxedo collars and starch the hair on my chest. Hello, son. Can I come in? Sure, Bob. Just crawl over those Esquire magazines there. Going out? Yeah, I got a date for dinner at my girl's. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, you must be. Tell me, have you discovered a new way of sitting down? I know. Why do you ask? You got your pants on backwards. <laughs> well, uh, what's this girl like? Oh, she's different from any girl I've ever met. She doesn't drink, she doesn't stay out at night, and she won't kiss boys. That's too bad. I wonder what she was like when she was living. <laughs> Well, then you're dead. Uh, stop kidding me. Yeah, I hope I make a good impression on her, folks. Well, what's your name? Jesse McLeod. <laughs> you mean Keith McLeod's daughter? Yeah. Do you know what he does for a living? I think he's a publisher. Jesse said he was a bookmaker. <laughs> I look stupid. You know what kind of bookmaking that is? No, but he sure got them working like horses for him in Hialeah. <laughs> Well, he's one of the biggest small-time gamblers in town. Oh. Why don't you use your head? After all, you're a man with a future. You've got a good job. Yeah, a decoy for dog catcher. <laughs> Look, Dad, I promise not to marry her unless she is everything mother is. Well, I was afraid you'd fall into the same trap I did. Yeah. Well, good night, Dad. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with this door here? It opens the other way. Look, it don't open your way. Oh, yes, it does. No, it don't. Yes, it does. No, it don't. <laughs> now it does. Yourself at home. Oh, thank you. Gee, I'm out of cigarettes. You'll find a cigarette machine in the next room. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, it's kind of dark in here. I didn't see that turnstile. <laughs> That's all right. Since you're a guest, you can uh, forget the nickel. Oh, okay. Yeah, hey, I put the money in the machine. Now what do I do? Pull the lever down on the side. Oh. Sore because you didn't win, eh? Try again. I just had the machine fixed. Why, it was wrong with it. Was it paying off? <laughs> Come on in the living room and make yourself at home. Okay. Here, let me check your hat. Oh, that's not a hat. That's a crease in my head fools everybody. <laughs> Tell me, uh, do you love my little girl? I guess so. Since I, the last time I saw her, I haven't been able to eat. Really? Yeah, she won all my money in a crap game. <laughs> Oh, hello. Gee, you look beautiful. You well, do. how do you like my new strapless evening gown? You want to borrow my belt? <laughs> Say, I'm just curious. Uh, where did you two meet? On a bus. I gave Jesse my seat. Gee, that's hard to believe. Yeah, on the sunset bus today. <laughs> Love at first sight, huh? Yes, I was so excited I sat on an old lady's lap right next to her. But I got right up. <laughs> she was knitting. <laughs> Well, I'll leave you two lovebirds alone. Goodbye. Bye. Well, here we are, all alone. Yeah, all alone. (laughs) Newton, you can kiss me if you like. Oh, I'm going to play hard to get, huh? Well, then I'm going to kiss you. I know, I know. Newton, take your head out of the fishbowl. (laughs) 
way your mother used to. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, I'll just light the candle. Okay, here's my... Well, what do you know? Roman candle. <laughs> Oh, did you make them yourself? Uh huh. You want me to work the Derrick while you hook them on? <laughs> I think we can both carry them. Okay, I'll yep. have this in here. Oh my! I always wondered how I'd look with bow legs. <laughs> hey, let's set them on the table over here. Huh? <laughs> hey, you ought to do something about that hole in the floor. <laughs> Now slide it across. <laughs> oh, careful. If that ever falls on your feet, it'll crush your toes. Huh? Here, I'll sit over here. Well, look at that. My favorite dish. Breast of Frankfurter with mustard gravy. <laughs> Newton, are you brave enough to try one of my biscuits? Yeah, I'll take this little one here. Oh, 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 it's hot. It's hot. Well, don't Thank you. 
sign of impressing people is entitled The Boss for Dinner. It never fails. As sure as you want to impress someone, everything goes wrong. And if Junior, the mean widow caters around, you'll get more than your share of embarrassment. <laughs> Junior, for your kindness, here's a dime. Oh. What do you say, Junior? You got another one? 
Shall we go into the living room? <laughs> Maybe you'd better let me go first in case there's any booby traps. <laughs> My, what a charming place. <laughs> well, it, it's home. Yeah. <laughs> Would you care for some fruit punch? Yes, more punch than food, though, you know. I think I'll have one. You gonna have one? Have you got a license to fly? <laughs> you see, we're not really a drinking family. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, Pat. Well, here's to you. <laughs> Anything wrong? No, no. Where did you buy those delicious lemons? <laughs> hey, I help make that stuff. You want some more? Well, yes, I don't care if I do. Okay, but you can't drink it laying down there on the floor. Get out. <laughs> Dennis, sir. Hey, Gramp, Gramp, look, look what we got. Look, Julia, look. it's only our butler. Oh, you do remember. Yes, that's right. Oh, James, would you draw me boss water so I can take a bath? <laughs> Hey, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, followed by the Aldridge family. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. 
Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.